and welcome to the Friendship News Hour, presented to you by Bummer Dude Media. Today is April the 26th, 2022. My name is Frank. His name is Alex, and I'm coming to you live from Sacramento, California. How are you, sir? Doing well, man. Just had some chicken and french fries for dinner, so I'm feeling very energized. Mm, right on. Has seven-year-old in you, might. <laughs> Did you have ketchup in there, too? I didn't. I'm a, I'm a big honey mustard fan. Big enthusiast and then i also i found this new sauce at the store the other day joey chestnut got into the sauce game oh, did not know this there's a full spread of them i think there's like three or four that i saw there but i just grabbed the nashville hot chicken sauce pretty good joey chestnut branded nashville hot chicken sauce yes there was also a coney sauce i think there was like a some kind of caribbean teriyaki something and there's one more but i was just like eh, i ate more chicken you're walking down the aisle <laughs> and the grocery store, still to this day, as long as I can remember, offers a plethora of options. Any, sure. Pretty much anything that you're trying to buy. But sure. your eyes fixated on the Joey Chestnut sauce, and you said, that sounds appetizing. Where you were wrong there is I wasn't walking down the aisle. I passed the clearance section. And lo and behold, <laughs> all the sauces were there. So Mr. Chestnut oh sauces must not be selling that well. But right. it was a dollar for the bottle, and it was well worth it. It's actually pretty good. Was it? It's pleasantly surprising. And then I mixed it with the honey mustard, got a little bit of that going, and it was like a sweet heat honey mustard and had a great time. My stomach feels a little gross now from the fried food, but mm. live and you learn. Just when I thought I couldn't lose any more respect for you, sir, <laughs> you never cease to amaze me. I do what I can. You know, I'd like to meet the person. I like to meet the person that greenlit that. It's like, yeah, you know what? We want, we want Joey. Yeah. This guy, this guy stuffed 75 hot dogs in his mouth once a year on national television. And we think he can sell some sauces. Some chicken sauce. People are weird, man. <laughs> that is oh. weird. You just up in Sacktown for business or uh, for pleasure? I, I find it hard to draw that line anymore, Al. Pleasureful business. I love my job so much. Um, yeah, yeah. No, and I'm not, I'm not being sarcastic or facetious at all. I really do love my job. It's a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, I'm up here on business. So it's really cool. So so I got here and the Bay Area is a large place. I flew in, flew into San Jose. I had to meet with somebody in San Jose and then I had to drive up to a place called American Canyon, which is about 20, 30 minutes, maybe even less than that, south of Napa and uh, just due west of Sacramento. And then I had to go to Sacramento, finally. And in between American Canyon and Sacramento, I decided to stop in this place, in this uh, uh, this town called Davis, where I was working on a deal with a customer for a while. And I've never been to the site, but it just happened to be on his route. I didn't tell anybody I was going there. I didn't even know myself I was going to go there till I, that day. But I saw the sign, Davis. I said, oh, shoot, I might as well just go check it out, take some pictures. I drive in to the, to the gas station. I pull up. And wouldn't you know it, the owner of the gas station, the guy that I had been talking with this whole time, pulls up right next to me at the exact same time. Wow. Synchronicity. And I got out and I was like, Mike. And he was like, what the hell are you doing here? And we <laughs> talked for like an hour. I was late to my next meeting because of it. And it was very fruitful. You should have just been like stalking you, sir. <sighs> yeah, right. Exactly. I followed you <laughs> off the freeway. I know where you live now. <laughs> uh, but it was, it was so cool. It was one of those moments you're like, ah, yeah, it's kind of the universe lining up for me, uh, you know, one time. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. I got, I got a, I got a commitment out of it. And then today, as I'm driving to another, uh, location to go meet with the customer, I get an email that this other customer that I met with yesterday got his application approved for some grant funding that he applied for maybe, I don't know, six months ago, a little less. So just, I don't know, man, this whole trip has just kind of been falling into place and it's been really nice. Good. That's what's up, man. What was yeah. your, uh, 
per diem meal this this evening. Dude, you know what I did? Mm. So I'm in this I'm in this place called Cal Expo. It's a part of Sacramento that I'm in. And there's not much. I don't even know what a Cal Expo is, but uh, the the hotel was relatively cheap. I'm staying in one of these uh, town place suites. So I got like a little kitchen. It's like a studio basically. Mm-hmm. And I was so tired last night. I got up at four o'clock in the morning to catch my flight. I've been running around all day. I didn't want to go and wait for food to be cooked. And there's nothing within a 12 minute drive of me other than a Costco. Ah. So I went to Costco and I got a little, that little cheese sampler thing that they do. Have you ever gotten that? It's like four different cheeses. Okay. Yeah. Artisanal cheeses. I got that. I got a a trio of smoked salmon, maple, regular smoked and pepper. All three delicious. Maple might be my favorite. Uh, I got their shrimp salad and then a bag of pretzel crisps. And that's going to be my... That's going to be my dinner every night this week. And I Fuck. cannot wait to end this episode to go make this dinner. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking A. I'm like, yeah, I had fried chicken and French fries with some of Joey Chestnut sauce. And you're like, I got smoked salmon with the maple yep. glaze, yep. the cheese tray. <laughs> and it was, uh, it was less than $60. So that's my per diem meal for this entire week. So I'm saving the company money and I'm eating good. Okay. Nice. Now look at you. Cheers to that. What a guy. What a guy. You excited for this NFL draft? Do you care? When is it? Thursday. Fuck off. Yeah. Thursday. I had no idea it was Thursday. <laughs> yeah. So, no, I'm not at all. Might see a Michigan man go number one, but I really hope he goes number two to the Detroit Lions. Yeah, I, that's all I know about. I know, I know about him. I don't even know if there's a good quarterback in this in this class. I don't know anything about the NFL draft this year. It's a weird one, man. Like I'm looking at the top 10 projected picks. Four of them are offensive linemen. Mm-hmm. Two of them are defensive linemen. Mm-hmm. The rest, safety corners. This is not really? a strong year for quarterbacks at all. I think the first one, as far as projections go, is I think it's that dude from Pitt. Okay. Let me see here. I don't know. Malik Willis is the, is the number 23rd overall from Liberty University. Where is... Matt Ariza is supposed to go. Matt Ariza? I think that's how you say his last name. He's a punter from San Diego State, and he's a freaking animal. 126th overall. Interesting. So I wonder where he'll go. I wonder who is the highest drafted punter in NFL history. Wasn't it that dude for the Raiders? King? Is that his name? I'm seeing a guy named Russell Erkselben, and he was drafted in the first round, pick 11 in the 1979 draft by the New Orleans Saints, NOR. That's New Orleans, right? I don't know. And then I have Ray Guy, who ended up being a Hall of Famer. He was picked number 23 overall in the first round, 1973, by the Oakland Raiders. And then Ron Stark, second round, 34th overall, 1982, by Baltimore. He went on to have a 15-year career in the NFL. And then Johnny Evans by Cleveland. <laughs> Cleveland makes this list twice. <laughs> they did it two years in a row. In 1977, they picked 46th overall Tom Skladani, who was in the league for about four years. And then they picked Johnny Evans the very next year, the very same round, 39th overall. And he lasted two years. Leave it to the Cleveland Browns to spend their second round pick two years in a row on a punter, dude. How? Hilarious. But check this out. So here's uh, here's the highest picked uh, kickers in, in NFL history. Sixth pick overall in 1966 was a one Charlie Gogolock. So that makes sense. In 1966, you're probably kicking more, you know? Yeah, you think? I don't know, man. Maybe. <laughs> I mean, I guess they weren't passing the ball, so fucking. Yeah, well, when I think of 1966 uh, football, I think of just 
hard ground and pound and then probably kicking. Mm-hmm. And then number three was Steve Little by St. Louis. Uh, he was picked 15th overall in 1978. And then Sebastian Janikowski, 17th overall in the year 2000. He went on to kick for 17 seasons in the NFL. Long live Seabass. 17 seasons and he was the 17th pick? Huh? Yeah. Huh? Look at that. <laughs> look at that. Would you just look at it? But I'm excited, bro. I, I really hope Aiden Hutchinson doesn't go first. They're saying that this Kayvon uh, Thibodeau, I think his name is, from uh, Oregon, uh, might slide up to that number one pick and edge out Aiden. And I'd love to see him go to the Detroit Lions. That'd be sick. If not, though, we're going to get an Alabama lineman. So that's cool, too. I hope <laughs> you guys pick the wide receiver that flames out in two years. <laughs> and then we draft one five more years in a row. What's what's better, Al? Trying to win or consistency? What do you mean? What's better? I mean, wouldn't you like to just know that your team is consistently shit instead of them just kind of teasing you all the time? Man, I, I mean, the Lions don't really ever tease me. They've teased me like maybe one or two seasons in my life. I, I would say that I would I would say trying to win because you never know that season that it could happen and, and shit could line up and, and you make a run or, or get there. But like consistently being like one of the top five shitty teams in the league is like it's really hard to get amped up for fucking for football, man. Like it's hard. Like I, I'm more of a fantasy guy these days. I feel like than a pro guy sometimes, just because like the Lions. I, I know I've said it on here before, but like they like broken my soul and football, pro football hard at least. So I, that's I, why I, I choose to support a real winner. Toledo Buttons. <laughs> Go Hens. Hell yeah, man. Fuck yeah. And the Toledo Walleye are in the playoffs too. Are they really? They are, man. They're about to make Go a fish. run. Go fish. That's right. You betcha, man. You worked Go for the fish. Mud Hens or the Walleye? Uh, I worked for the Mud Hens and then the Walleye. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. I, I did a little bit of both. The, the, the Mud Hen season was definitely cooler to work. Uh, yeah. You're more of a baseball fan too, I'm sure. So, but, but, but also it's like right there in a the mix. I know they changed it a little bit since I've been there, but it's, it was right there in left field, right field. Right field. So you, you can't really watch the game, but but people walked through the, the swamp shop to get to the stadium. So mm. the traffic was wild, dude. It was crazy. And you kind of do the same thing at, at Huntington Center, but you're so far away from the action that once the game starts, it just becomes like a wasteland. Yeah. And so it was just whatever. Were you in Toledo when Huntington opened or was it already established when you moved there? It was already a thing. Okay. Gotcha. So you never yeah, got to the sports arena. I didn't. No. State. I bet it I bet it was a yeah, I bet it was. I bet that's what like uh sports arena here in San Diego is like now. Was it just is it just old. like a shithole, just old, gross, yeah. but just beautiful. That had the good smell to yeah, it. Yeah, but like Led Zeppelin's <laughs> played there, Elton Fuck John's yeah. played there, Rolling Stones played there, Jay Z's played there, everybody's been there, dude. Everybody's came through the sports arena. It's old, but it's got crazy history. That's awesome. Awesome. And, um, yeah, and they're going to tear it down soon. It needs to be torn down, but damn, I'll miss her. You know, yeah. a lot of good memories there. Okay. So one fun fact before we get into the news though, I saw some stuff that SEC, the filings from Netflix came out, uh, from their fiscal year, 2021. And it just kind of showed like a breakdown of their streaming revenue and all the money they made from there and the money they spent on there and just kind of br- breaks all that shit down. Mm-hmm. But one of the categories that kind of caught my eye was DVD revenue. Ooh. And okay. Of- the roughly $30 billion Netflix pulled in last fiscal year of 2021. How much of that do you think was DVD revenue? In terms of a percentage? No, like dollar amount. DVDs. God, I, I feel like if I say anything over a million dollars, I'll be like, just like speaking 
fallacies here. Uh, Seven hundred thousand dollars. So Sarah posed me that question, and I I said two thousand. Like I just laughed. I'm like, who the fuck is like, oh, I should order a DVD for the weekend. Their revenue from DVDs last year was one hundred and eighty-two million dollars. Frank, mm, I don't believe you. How is that possible? That's what I'm saying. I'm like, what? Who the fuck is like, I'm gonna order up a DVD for the weekend. We can finally see the Hunger Games move. Like. Who's doing that? <laughs> you could just stream it. Well, you know, I, I would I, I I would think that too, but I I think there's still video rental establishments in Toledo, if I'm not mistaken. They're closing quickly, bro. All those family are videos are turning into dollar generals. It's fucking weird, man. Interesting. Like, interesting. That's a good hallmark of a budding uh society. Yeah. Is, right. is when you get more dollar generals. <laughs> it's happening here too though, bro. I've, I've you know the family video, like the building, how they're like all kind of the same. Right. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Like the mm-hmm. that form factor. Dollar general just swoop has swiping in, swooping in and just swapping out some of the green shit for the yellow signs and calling it a day. It's hilarious. Mm, interesting. Um, and I wonder if that if that's like international data. That's a good question. I, yeah, I, I guess it might. It could be. I can't imagine. See, and I think this is a, a greater conversation um, to like about just how unpoor this country really is, because I can't imagine in any corner of this country, if you're willing to rent a DVD through the mail, <laughs> that you also wouldn't have as easy, if not easier, access to streaming that exact same content. Yeah, and she made the point of like, well, it could be people without internet. And it's like, I guess- like, Who doesn't have moment? internet though? Yeah, we go up to Denver, you're 10,000 feet up and you you got internet still. So it's like, who? You know, because it's one of those things that like we all afford. It's almost like paying the electric bill, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can't really survive without it. So I think even at the poorest level, I mean, God dang, man. I, I go down to uh, just down the street from my house where tents uh, take up most of the sidewalk and those people have smartphones. And so it's like, well, if they can get a smartphone, then this is something I, I think is like a necessity for all. Not saying like you have to have it, but like I think that that's the the like the general consensus between all of Americans that you have to have something that's connected to the internet lest you want to survive in this society or i'm just wildly out of touch which <laughs> is also just as likely of a scenario yeah I, i'm just dude and i'm like scanning the internet like how how is this possible but it's just all it says is dvd and blu-ray disc rentals topped almost 200 million dollars and the year before it was the same it said unchanged about 200 million the year before so that is incredible yeah so if you know someone that's renting dvds give them a fucking high five for me because that is just unbelievable in the year 2022 <laughs> do you think that there's anything like you know how people who will listen to vinyl will like very pretentiously tell you that it sounds better and it probably does but like at that point you're just being a douche i can defend those people though because i agree i'm sure you could I, i'm sure you could i do not have the ear for that so i couldn't tell you like if i streamed a song or put it on vinyl and it's like you can hear the subtle differences i cannot so i i, I kid next time you come over i'm gonna sit you down and be like frank you listen to this <sighs> now you listen to this all it is what it is is with mp3s and anything you would stream it's all been compressed and on vinyl it's like the pure unadulterated as much headroom as you could possibly like get in a recording so like the dynamics the highs are higher the the lows like those the subtle parts of music are quieter and it just like makes for a more fun listening experience and as i'm saying it i feel like the douche you just described but <laughs> it, it is better i promise you fits al <laughs> and cinderella must wear it you sound like a guy who's trying to tell me 
uh, why a uh, 2017 vintage cab from uh, a mm. certain winery in Napa is better than a 2015. It's vintage. great. Yeah. Well, in 15, there was the droughts, you know, and so the grapes weren't quite as good, you know. Did you know that that's a thing? I learned oh, that yeah. from somebody who actually knows about wine. My boss has like a wine subscription and he often tells me on the phone in great detail about it. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. He, he like has like a, uh, I think it's a monthly subscription where like they bring him wines and he, he's about, he's a wino. So he, he has told me like certain years when like there's droughts or like some shit happens with fires, I think can affect it too out your way. Fires will ruin the, will ruin the crop because it, yeah. it picks up that, that flavor of the mm -hmm. smoke. But when you like, I was talking to somebody in a winery in Temecula once, and he was telling me that on general odd years are, are better. Like just as like a rule of thumb, but that doesn't mean anything. And that wetter years produce worse grapes interesting because they and they have to have irrigation for wetter years because what'll happen is that the way that you get a deeper richer grape is that the roots of the vine will reach further into the earth in search of water because they can't get it on the surface level but let's say that they've done that let's say you've had like a really really dry season and then all of a sudden you get like two weeks full of rain the roots will then go from going down and the umbrella back up to the surface of the soil in search of that water. And then they will get less of the, of the, the deep earth and that will produce a less vibrant grape, if you will. That's so interesting. Isn't that crazy, man? I, I could sit, I, I, I feel like I'll never be able to get to that level with wine, but just to hear somebody uh, talk like that about it and tell me all these details and like paint the picture in my mind, I could sit there all day with a glass of wine and just here, teach me everything you know. I'll, I'll retain 15% of it. Yeah, I just want to, I just want to listen to you talk. <laughs> I, I wonder, I always wonder this with, with like vineyards and, and things of that nature. Like you go to an apple orchard, cherry orchard, like whatever, like big ass trees, but it always seems like at a, a vineyard, they're like smaller, or like almost more bush-like or whatnot. Like, do they cut those down every year and they then regrow or like, are they trees? Like, do they grow on like a tree? I've no, I've no idea how to answer that. Yeah. I, I've always wondered if any wine people are listening, let us know because it's like, it doesn't look like a big ass orchard. Like you'd see where like over time the trees get bigger and bigger. It's like, I see a vineyard most of the time and it's just like, I can like see it in my head. It's just like the head high tree, the bush the, and they're all in like their lines and yada, yada. But it, it just, I don't see like these huge ass mammoth trees, which I would think would happen after being there for years and years and years and years. Yeah. Um, I don't know, but I do know that they're like really meticulous with it. So I'm sure that they prune and trim and do all the, all the rest to make sure that they're, that they're the best they can be. Sure. Sure. I've sidetracked this long enough. I'm sorry. That's quite all right. Elon Musk has done it. He did. He fucking He's did. He's done it. it, man. Yeah, he did. He bought Twitter. For less than he offered originally that I was confused because didn't he offer 46 bill and ended up paying 44 for it? Um, yes, he ended up paying $44 billion, which is interesting. They must have seen something, the value in his offer. Yeah. I don't know, man. It, it's interesting, it, mostly because like the, the move has caused, as you might imagine, uh, a ton of reverberation in the social sphere, particularly with the actual employees of Twitter. Mm. And you might've seen that coming, right? Like if, Twi if Elon Musk grabs Twitter and, you know, we talked about this last time, while, while you might think that a bunch of these people that work for Twitter or Facebook or Google or whatever are, are super woke and, 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 and of that elk, and they, pro and they probably are, you could imagine they're just losing their shit about him joining Twitter. But the brass, the, the, the people who 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 run Twitter f for when it counts 
have decided to see past that and to accept his offer, $44 billion to purchase Twitter. And 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 what's what's I think what's interesting about it in the in the in the early hours of this deal becoming final, the number one question that is on anybody's mind. The, the number one thing that people, if you're on the on the right side of things, hope that happens. And if you're on the left side of things or even in the middle, or, or kind of hope that it doesn't happen is Donald Trump getting reinstated into Twitter. And I think Elon dodged a bullet here because before he could make any sort of announcement of whether or not he's going to do that, uh, Donald Trump actually came out with a statement and said, regardless of whether or not Elon Musk is going to reinstate me. I will not rejoin Twitter. Why do you think that is? I saw that. Eh, he's got his truth social deal. It sucks. Nobody's on there and he wants to promote that. And I don't know that that lasts very, like very much. No. Um, I think, uh, I, I think if it became a thing where people were getting reinstated, for example, like if Alex Jones regained his Twitter handle and other prominent people who have gotten banned from Twitter regain their Twitter handle, uh, and they see that they're making a, a, a larger impact. I mean, come on, man. If you could get reinstated and talk to a hundred million people again in an instant, you tell me you're not going to do that. No. Who knows? I like Twitter without Donald Trump. And I know that goes against everything that I've said about the move. I don't like that he's banned. I don't, I don't think it was the right move. And even though I don't think it's the right move, it was a move that was made. I, I would rather just not see him around, man. I, I, he's probably going to run for president. I just, I think <laughs> he's at his time, man. I think as, as, as much time has passed since he's been president, it hasn't been really all, you know, sunshine and roses, but, um, I surely do not look forward to the next time that Donald Trump is going to try and reinsert himself into the main national conversation. So I'm, I'm, I'm actually happy about this development. And I think on the whole, I think it's a, a probably to the benefit of all for as long as it lasts. Well, as far as Trump's concerned, he'll probably be making an announcement pretty soon, right? Don't they start running about two years before the election? He already did. Yeah. No. Not officially, but he's already said it. So who knows? I, I wanted to play you this uh, little clip here from MSNBC because I really like these videos where people kind of like self-own themselves and they don't mean to. You own all of Twitter or Facebook or what have you. You don't have to explain yourself. You don't even have to be transparent. You could secretly ban one party's candidate or all of its candidates all of its nominees, or you could just secretly turn down the reach of their stuff and turn up the reach of something else. And the rest of us might not even find out about it till after the election. Elon Musk says this is all to help people because he is just a free speech, philosophically clear, open-minded helper. I just thought that was really funny because he basically is describing the internet as it stands currently today. Yeah, right. And he's worried about Elon Musk take over. And that that's the general that's the general concern of of people who 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 are concerned that Elon Musk is taking over uh Twitter. There have been some blue check marks and I would tell you who they were, but I don't really know. Like, a, like their names kind of escape me right now. Uh, that said, that they're leaving Twitter because of Elon Musk's deal. What do they call him? They call him Talcum X. But what's his what's his real name? Sean something. Sean King. You know, what I'm talking about. You know, no. Sean King. He's like, uh, I'm pretty sure he's like fully non-black, but he's like the biggest black activist that there there is. Okay. And he kind of cosplays as a black dude. He like has like the the kind of fade a little bit 
total white dude, kind of like the same person, that girl that got popped for the NCAA up north. Anyway, he, he said that, that he was going to delete his account and he did for like 12 hours and then came back. Sorry, spinning all this shit. I saw something that said, it's kind of making fun of the left. It said all the people saying they're going to leave Twitter for Instagram is just like the same. It was all the same people that said they were going to move to Canada if Trump got elected in 2016. Uh, hilarious. Yeah, right. <laughs> We'll see you up north. Yeah. We'll see you on Facebook. <laughs> and you know what? Fine, man. Like, go. If you don't want to be a part of it, fine. I think that's that's perfectly okay with me. Regardless of your political affiliation, I don't care. But, you know, he's been warned, uh, Elon Musk, about what he's embarking on. And I think he at least has some sort of a grasp on on the challenges that, that face him. And uh, I don't know that he has any wild assumptions of how this is going to go, good or bad. I don't think he has any false pretenses. But regardless, he's on top. He owns Twitter. Elon Musk owns SpaceX, Tesla, the boring company, and Twitter. It's fucking insane, man. It's a hell of a track. What's next, I guess? I don't know. Like... To me, like, I always wonder, like, oh, would Elon ever, like, become president? But, like, at this point, like, that, or run for president, but, like, that just seems below him. Absolutely. You know, like, yeah, you affect radar. change way more as a as a super uh, charismatic, pragmatic, rich dude. Um, yeah. and, and somebody who obviously doesn't give a shit. Did you see what he posted about uh, Bill Gates? Yeah, yeah, about the oh, boner killer. God, it's so funny. <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs> It's so funny. But you know what? Like we mentioned it last time, and I think it's a perfect example of it. So Bill Gates texted Elon Musk, and he asked him if he could talk with him about some philanthropic ideas. And Elon Musk replied back to him and says, do you still have your short position on Tesla? And Bill Gates replied back, said something like, unfortunately, I haven't closed it yet. And, and Elon Musk said, well, I'm sorry, but I can't support your efforts on climate change when you're rooting against the company who's doing the most to fight climate change. And it's right. like, dude, thank God. Like, that's so refreshing to hear. Like, yeah, go fuck yourself, dude. Like, you're shorting my company who's trying to who's trying to put the biggest dent in climate change. And you want me to give money to your philanthropic organization? It's so ridiculous. Um, he uh, he was quoted, actually, I, I heard this interview that he talked about philanthropy and he broke the word down and philanthropy means love of humanity. And he was like, my companies as they stand are philanthropic. He's like, you know, Tesla is trying to create a carbon neutral uh, vehicle that everybody can buy. Uh, that's philanthropy. SpaceX is trying to make the first multi-planetary species. That is love of humanity. Uh, the Boring Company is trying to make you spend less time in traffic. That is love for humanity. So what we're doing is love for humanity. He was like, I don't, you know, I don't need to throw my money in order to give the illusion that I care about humanity. I show it in my actions every day. Yep. Fucking a, dude. Good for you. So you know. I think that ties back to what we said last time. Will he do the job he hopes to do in Twitter? Maybe, maybe not. I mean, he, he has an uphill battle, but he seems to have the heart, the right heart for it. Yeah, I just trust him, man. It's, and I, I've been seeing so many people ragging on him on Twitter and just like on the internet in general, like and making fun of like people, like I mean, I would say like us that like believe in him and like what he's doing and and his his vision, his philanthropic vision. And it's yeah. like, I don't know wh where people, like I, some people started calling him racist and all this other shit because he's just like pulling for free speech. And it's just, it's so weird that the guy that is trying to actually do the most for all of us, it's not like just mm -hmm. like the left or the right or whatever the fuck, like he's just trying to do them, like you're saying, actually be philanthropic and push the human race forward in any way he can and just he's getting torn down it just it just doesn't make sense bro and it just goes to show like how ingrained like people are like with these parties and you just see it one way or the other like how dumb that really 
kind of makes you look at the end of the day because someone like him who like doesn't really seem to give a fuck about that and right. just cares about us like the people and pushing humanity forward and he's still getting ripped because he believes in free speech and like the left isn't about that because they're losing one of their main platforms like fuck you yeah and, and you know it's it's like the same person that'll have a, a ukraine flag in her bio and they probably could tell you uh, all the reasons why we need to mandate vaccines uh <laughs> and and why we should still be wearing masks it, you know, it just it falls in line with that same thing where it's like, what, what the hell do you know? You know, maybe mm. you can maybe you can opine that that Elon Musk doesn't know much about running a social media company. Yeah, maybe. But he does know how to be a CEO. He's got excellent track record there. So it's like, what, where does your opinion about where he's going to fail on this? Where, where do you where do you base that off of? Where, like other than the fact that you don't like uh, what what he stands up for, what you know, it's it's always like the hypothetical. It's always like the 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 probability of hate or violence because somebody's saying one thing or another, and it's like, well, you know, I, you you don't get to make those calls, and yeah. neither does Elon Musk for that matter. Like he's not he's not interfering for the for the chance to be a judge to 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 put a heavy hand on the scale so it goes one way or the other. And you know, we he's proved he's proven that. And and I and, and I think he. Re I mean, I don't know if I was him, I would really enjoy the the backlash to what I'm trying to do, uh, because I could just laugh it off. I could just be like, all right, well, great. Like you're spending so much energy, uh, feeling this way about me, but you honestly have no idea. And I'm sure he feels sorry for these people, but it's obvious that his compass points true North and that he's, you know, he's on a mission for, for the good of all. That's just, to me, I feel like you can't, you really can't argue that point. Maybe you could, maybe, like I said, maybe I'm wildly out of touch here, but I don't think so. And and he's not afraid to put his heart and soul out there for everyone to see. So I can't wait to see where this goes, man. If I just think it's such a freaking cool development. What I'm most interested in is like, cause so many of the staff are like, they're super sweating, like him bringing Trump back and, and all this other shit. Like they're just not about the, the takeover. And now that he's going private, like, do you think he's just going to clean house and say, like, not even try to, like, give the people that currently work there and, like, obviously support their families and yada, yada, like, they they have a career at Twitter. Do you think he'll give them the, the option to, like, hey, you can still, like, be a part of this, but, like, it's going to be different now? Or do you think he just says, cleaning house, all new staff, this is our new company's vision. Mm -hmm. You want to come here? Cool. But this is like how we're working. Like, wh what do you think he does? I think, okay. So the, when I hear that, the first thing I think of is Twitter is probably a very complicated place to understand, like internally. Mm -hmm. And the way that it's run and the way that it makes Twitter happen is probably very hard to understand deeply, right? You have to put in years of making it in order to really understand it. So to go in there and wipe house, I mean, I, I think, I think that's probably as short-sighted of a move as you as you could make if if you're like the new owner of Twitter, right? It's the same yeah. as, uh, you know, the the most classic example of of this kind of scenario is in Zimbabwe when they killed all the white farmers. I'll, I'll walk that back because I don't know that for certain. I think that's how the story goes, but. At the very least, they took the land from all of the farmers and gave it to the to like the native people of Zimbabwe, and nobody knew how to do the things. So they fell into a deep famine, hyperinflation, and you can go on Amazon right now and you can buy like a one trillion dollar Zimbabwe note that's worth absolutely nothing uh, huh. because they took away the competency, the people who had the competencies. They installed the people that they wanted, and everything fell apart in about a minute. 
So yeah, I mean, I, I don't wow. think he does that at all. The director of product management for Twitter, Edward Perez, said that it's a time of genuine discomfort and uncertainty. Um, he said, most of us believe deeply that Twitter is much more than a tech platform, that we have a deep responsibility to society. And I hope our new owner gets that. Uh, so I think, and maybe this is just me being like, uh, you know, a, a little bit naive about the situation, but I think what you do is uh, you go in there and you try and learn as much as you can before you go and make you know, broad brush uh, actions and, and assumptions and thinking that you're going to go in there and change the whole thing by having a heavy hand on one thing or another. No, I, I, I don't know that that's how uh, uh, Elon Musk works. Yeah. I'd be really interested to see though, because I mean, it's a private company now. So if someone's like a big enough thorn in his side, just say, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> he yeah. Do what, he can, I mean, he can do whatever he wants, right? Like there's no more board of directors, right? It's just him. Uh, no, no. Well, I don't know. I don't know how that's going to work. I mean, normally you have a board and I don't know that you go in there and you fire the entire board either. You know, yeah. uh, you, you just, you just become the guy. Um, okay. but, but Jack Dorsey, the, the, the co-founder and former CEO of Twitter said that, that he uh, endorses uh, Elon Musk's goal of creating a platform that is maximally trusted and broadly inclusive. And uh, he said in principle that he doesn't believe that anyone should own or run Twitter. Uh, and he wants it to be more of like a public good, right? Like a, like a park, right? You go to a public park. It's not owned by anybody. It's owned by everybody, really. Mm -hmm. He said that solving the problem of, of it becoming a company, uh, Elon is the singular solution I trust. I trust his mission to extend the light of consciousness. And that's a fucking, that's a huge endorsement, man. Those are, those are big, heavy words to say about his ownership of Twitter. And Jack Dorsey just cashed in big as fuck probably <laughs> yeah, off of that, sure. that uh, sure. acquisition. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. But, but, you know, at that, at this point, what does money matter to these guys? It's yeah, just, true. it's just money and they got a lot of it. So mm -hmm. I certainly, um, I'm optimistic about this. I really am. I, I think uh, I think it could be a good thing. Is it weird that I'm going to use Twitter more now? I think just because I, so? I rock with, I rock with Elon, so I'm gonna fuck with it, bro. Like I, I'm I'm just gonna see. I'm just interested to see like how it changes. So I kind of want to because I don't really use it that much. I really only get on it when like you or Mister Rager like tag me in some shit or send something like. But I'm I kind of want to start using it more and kind of get my my a feel for it to kind of realize more of the changes as they happen, I guess, if they do happen. Yeah. So I use Twitter probably more than I should. And, and I, I, I'm not active on tweeting. I, I, I don't, I don't use it to, if you like look to my timeline, I don't curate my Twitter as a, as a, as a page or, or, or share my, my thoughts on it very often. Uh, but I do, I do use it for people who do do, who, who do share their thoughts on things. A lot of the times I do use it for news. I use it to find a lot of things. It's really, good for like the videos that we show on this show that 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 pertain to these stories and i've already seen a difference since oh. elon musk has bought twitter and namely the difference is that i see way more of accounts that i didn't see previously hmm. like it happened immediately like and it wasn't like shadow ban or anything like that i don't know i don't know what happened but certainly i noticed like wow i hadn't seen this person's tweets in forever and they're showing up on the top of my feed and then i saw a lot of people commenting about that that exact same uh uh hmm. phenomenon so um i look tw twitter for, for reasons that we previously laid out on this show is a is is a terrible terrible place sometimes it really <laughs> truly it, it exposes and puts a highlight on the worst of humanity sometimes but 
I think the reason it's so successful is because despite all of that, it is still the best source for news at the source. You get it from the people who say it. Everybody can be verified on Twitter, which is one of the main goals of Elon Musk is to verify not just celebrities and people in the public sphere, but everybody so that you reduce the risk of interacting with the bot to which there are plenty. Next time you see, if you're on Twitter or anything for that matter, but for this scenario on Twitter, if you see somebody comment uh, a very heavy handed opinion or something that's, you know, strongly towards one side of a political eye or the other, and it is not their personal picture, click on it. See when they join Twitter, see what their timeline looks like. If it they join Twitter in the last year or six months or whatever, and their timeline is all just one thing, it's all, they're all bots and they're everywhere. So if you can navigate the bots and if Elon Musk can do something to help eliminate the bots, I think Twitter still is the very best place for up to the minute news and updates on things happening throughout the entire world. We shall see. It's exciting. Very exciting. Yeah. I heard a question earlier today. It wasn't a question. It was more of like a statement, but it was somebody talking about raising their kids. And they said, I hope that I raise my kid so that they think that dying for their family or dying for whatever noble cause, right? Enter in whatever noble cause that, that they that they feel like they, they can live a life that is able to take the risks so that they can die for this one standing principle. What do you think you want to raise your kid to, it's weird to say this, but like, like raise your kid to want to go after something so, so much or protect something so much that they're willing to die for it. What is, what is one thing that you think that you're, you would want to raise your kid to be about that one thing? Man, that's a heavy question. Frank, you're going to spring that on me? I know. (laughs) Um, I don't, man, I I don't know. I I guess I would say, I guess the easy answer is family. You know, like the people that have shown you love and respect and taught you all the things through your life. Like that's something that I I, I would say is worth dying for defending, you know, uh, you know, f- even friends, you know, there's, there's friends that I would take a bullet for, for sure. Like, I don't know, so off the top of my head, I guess that's the first thing that, that pops in my head. I, I wish I could say the country, man. And I feel so shitty saying that, but like, it feels, it's such a divided country and there's so much like hatred now. It's like, I wouldn't, I don't know if I could like go myself, let alone send my son or daughter, like to the military to like fight for a country where so many people feel like they're like put down by that country. Does that make sense? Yeah, sure. Why not? Yeah, I, I don't know. I, that's not to like at all put down any arm, like any of the armed forces, anybody in the military, like like everyone's doing it for their own reasons. And that's totally cool. And like, thank you, first of all. But the only thing that like pops in my head, man, is like my immediate, like the people, like my circle of people that I, I love and care for. So that, that's kind of what I would say, I guess. Yeah, well, I think it's a short list of answers, and I and I and I, you know, I think the list of things that you would not want your kid to lay down their life for is much longer than the things that you would want them to, right? Like that mm-hmm. that thing that you know we would say, like, oh, I would die for this person, or I would die for this cause, or I would die for whatever. You know, you want that to be so impactful of a thing to think or feel or act on uh, that it's worth it. Uh, there's a gentleman by the name of Win Bruce who died yesterday on Saturday over the weekend because he set himself on fire on the steps of the Supreme Court and it was all in the name of climate change. I did see the story and that is wild and I can promise you that's not on my list of things that I would <laughs> die or want my son to die for. I, I can promise you that. I want to take this person at face value because they did the most 
I can't even find the word. Like what, like what is it that you do? Like, what is it that you feel? Is it love for something that, that you're willing to light yourself on fire and kill yourself? You know, is it love for this cause? Is it, is it love for the world? Is it love for the planet? Um, is it, is it attention, right? Like that, that, like that's not, I don't know that that's such an insensitive thing to think here. Is it for attention for the subject of climate change? Is it so that people begin to take it more seriously? Is it so that if he changed just one person's mind about climate change, that then was able to change another person's mind that he thought that this was worth it? What drives a person to do something so drastic in the name of something as, you know, it's in, in, in terms of talking about suicide, climate change seems to be arbitrary, but Maybe the whole point of him doing this is that so we think a little bit differently about it. Yeah. My question, though, is are we not carbon-based beings? <laughs> Frank, can you, can you answer I think I know where you're going with this. I, I mean, are we? I want to participate, but yes, we are. <laughs> and would you say that by him lighting himself on fire, he emitted more carbon into the atmosphere than was previously there, yeah. Frank? I'm done. I recuse myself <laughs> of this conversation. This man, I, I don't oh my know. God. I, I just think that's that's wild to me, bro. They're, they're, it's, they're pointing to, I don't know if he was Buddhist or just like respected the religion, um, but like self-immolation is kind of like what he did here. It's when someone takes their own life, typically by setting themselves on fire. Uh, it's controversial, but it is something that is a tenant of that religion has been around for a while. And I guess he like tweeted or like posted about this a year ago and had posted this date, like saying like he, and with like a fire emoji next to it. No way. So he was like planning this shit. But to me, man, it's just like, I don't, I don't know what you're going for here. Like, I, I, I mean, we're talking about it, I guess, but like his, his act of making us think about the environment was polluting the environment. <laughs> I just don't, I don't get it. And I, I would go on to say that like, you stand, if you really give a fuck about it this much, you could make a bigger difference by staying alive another 20 to 30 years and like doing things to affect that change other than us talking about this for today. And then, you know what I'm saying? Who's going to be talking about when Bruce in a month, you know, like it, I, I don't know what this really does. In my yeah, opinion. I don't, I don't know either, man. And that's why like the number one thing that my brain goes to is, oh, this is a crazy person. But then I'm thinking, all right, well, there's plenty of crazy people out there and they're not setting themselves on fire. And they're certainly not doing it in front of the Supreme Court. So then I have to ask, well, what compels somebody to do something so crazy? I mean, I don't know. I, I, I just, I can't, I can't, I want to give this person some sort of credence. Like I, I want them to think, and they're not even going to think, but like, I, 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 I would like that if I did something like that in, 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 in some ridiculous fashion that somebody out there thinks that I didn't die so terribly in vain. Right. I got to believe that they, like, they think that somebody out there is going to think that. And I'm trying to put myself in that position where I'm thinking that this person didn't die in vain. But the more I think about it, the more I'm like, this is just a fucking moron. The climate scientist named Kriti Kanko, uh, who's also a, a fellow Buddhist with this guy. This person was a Buddhist priest. Guess they know each other through the same meditation group. And they had saw that he had been planning this and, and their tweet about this that she posted said, this act is not suicide. This is a deeply fearless act of compassion to bring attention to climate crisis. We are piecing together info, but he had been planning on it for at least one year. When Bruce, I am so moved. Mm. Yeah, I, no, no, don't I don't buy that. that. Yeah, I, I don't just, buy it. I just don't, man. I, I don't know. And I don't mean to be insensitive. I can't help but like be, be draw back to like seeing that, that Buddhist uh, back in the day set himself on fire. I think that was in 
China, Tibet. I don't know. I don't know. And, and, and I don't want to speak poorly about this, but like, that was like, uh, I think it was printed on like time magazine. It was, it was published, right. It was a big deal back in the day, that picture of that, of that monk or that Buddhist on fire. And I think back then these things were so impactful because they weren't done. There wasn't, there wasn't like, you weren't inundated with crazy people. You weren't talking, you weren't talking with the entire world on the internet. Like, like these things didn't exist. So to see something like that was so jarring. It was so impactful that you had to have a conversation about it. You read it in the magazines, right? Like it was something that, that drew the attention of a lot of people. And I think that we like try and reenact these things that we've seen previously with some like false hope that it's going to make a difference. I think you see it in like every single fight today where we, where we say that like somebody's civil quote, civil rights are, are under attack. And we tried the same tactics and the same movements that we saw way back when, when people were, you know, making actual strides in civil rights, like where there was things actually happening and we were ending terrible, terrible policies. And I don't know, this just seems lazy and not well thought out and super unimpactful. Like you said, we're talking about it, but I will forget about this thing in an hour. And I probably will think about it five more times in my life because to me, it doesn't matter. Like I'm seeing this guy like, oh, I know about climate change, brother. You don't need to light yourself on fire because of it. You know, like it's, right, it's, right. it's, it's not, it's not like something like, oh, wow, he lit himself on fire. I should really look into why that was climate change. Oh yeah. Everyone's talking about climate change. You know, like it's, it's not something that's been swept under the rug yeah. or it's being kept a secret or something that, you know, like you can't go outside in public and talk about climate change. You know, you don't have to whisper right. about or it. You see the story like, oh, you know what? I'm going to go buy that Tesla tomorrow. You know what? Yeah. Thank nah. you, Win. Yeah. <laughs> no. I, I what do you, know, why? Man. I just, uh, God rest your soul, sir. I, I hope, uh, I hope there's peace now. I really do. Cause that's just, I literally cannot think of a worse way to go, man. It's happening more and more though, bro. I, I saw like, I think during one of the NBA playoff games, um, I think it was the Timberwolves and the Clippers, uh, animal rights protester tried to glue herself to the court. <laughs> yes. So crazy, bro. It's yes. There's the videos out there. You got to watch it. It's hilarious. But like people are just are, are going for it these days, man. I gotta, I, I don't know, I guess respect it, but what the fuck? Why? <laughs> yeah. I don't know, man. Uh, it's shock, shock marketing, you know, trying to guerrilla marketing, trying to get out there and make it about you and your, uh, and your cause. And like, you know, like I said, what does that, what does that do? Does that move the needle? Does that make people reconsider their position? I'm going to eat meat tonight. Yeah, right. To me, it almost makes you like, do you take it less serious? I, I, that's so shitty and like no, you do, you do thing because, to say. But. No, listen, you look at somebody who's willing to put super glue on their hand and then put it on a basketball court and you're like, well, you're obviously not somebody to be taken seriously. So, right. <laughs> like, so like you've co-opted a, 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 an entire movement and you put it on your dumb little shoulders and now all you're doing is making people look at you with disdain. Like, what are you doing? What are you doing? Why would yeah. you do that? Neither the, ti the time nor place, you look like a fool. You, you, you've been made to be a moron and nobody respects you. Mm -hmm. So good job. And maybe it's, I don't know, maybe it's just to score points. But, I tell you what, um, we'll pay this off real quick because I think it's worth it. There, there was, uh, there are stories out there of people who are willing to l lay their life down for causes that are just. Um, I think if you were a uh, young man in the early 2000s and you had a family and you saw the Twin Towers go down, you might be compelled to go and fight because 
you believe that you going to fight is protecting the things that uh, your family cherishes and holds so dear to their heart. And that is exactly what happened with uh, Mr. Pat Tillman. If you don't remember Pat Tillman or don't know the name, he was a former standout college football player turned NFL pro who walked away from a $3 million contract to go sign up with the army and fight against what he thought was going to be Al-Qaeda. He joined the Army Rangers and was sent on his first tour to Iraq, actually. And he was furious about this because he wanted to go fight Al-Qaeda. He did not want to be in Iraq. And while he was in Iraq, uh, we know this through his own writing, he became disenfranchised with the whole war. Said it was bullshit. Said that, uh, you know, this was all kind of for show. He was part of this team that went and rescued a private who had gotten lost on a on a military vehicle and it either got blown up or something happened where she like hit her head and she was taken in by the Iraqis into their hospital, which was unarmed. And they sent like a ton of soldiers in to go rescue her. And they made a big hoopla about it. They recorded it and they, they sent it out to the media and they created this giant false narrative around it. He was part of that, became very disenfranchised with the whole war, but he came back from Iraq to the United States. And then he had the choice to, um, end his contract. The NFL would have received him back. The army would have let him go on his his own terms. And to truth be told, the army could have used him better as a recruiting tool than uh, an actual soldier. And the NFL definitely wanted him to promote him as this guy who made the ultimate sacrifice in his life to go and fight for his country. But he said no. So he got shipped off to uh, Afghanistan. And while he was in Afghanistan, um, he was part of this group that was out patrolling Afghanistan, like the back country of Afghanistan. And, you know, according to, to people who have been there, really what you do is you just patrol the mountainside until somebody decides to fuck with you and then you start fighting them. That's basically all that they did. So they were out there. They basically had a had a vehicle that broke down and they needed to get a local uh, Afghani person to come and tow them out. And it required them to take a different route so that they ended up uh, behind Pat Tillman's group. And then they, this, this group that was behind Pat Tillman's group got ambushed. There's varying reports of how bad the ambush was, but there was fighting. Pat Tillman's group heard this fighting. They went to go check it out and help out. And Pat Tillman was with an Afghani soldier who was, kind of on their side. And one of these other, one of the other groups that was behind Pat Tillman's group saw this Iraqi soldier that was near Pat and shot him, killed him. And then the rest of his group who were trained to shoot where their commander shoots started shooting in that direction. Uh, and Pat Tillman took three shots to the head, died instantly. And he's a hero for that. But the story it doesn't end there, like not even close. So the army had means to intercept information and then send it off to Washington uh, in, a, in a way that pretty much allowed them to control the narrative, right? So the person that was in charge of that sent word back to, to the Pentagon, the Pentagon alerted the president and the president decided that they that he was going to make a uh, speech in which he mentioned Pat Tillman and his death, and he did. And then they, <laughs> they had a whole funeral for him. John McCain gave a speech. And during this whole time, this, this investigation is underway uh, under, under his cause of death. And then while this is all happening, 
in Iraq, or excuse me, in Afghanistan, they stripped Pat Tillman's body naked. They burned his clothing and his diary that was in his journal that was inside of his clothing, uh, which was not procedure. They sent his body back naked and they didn't give an explanation for the reason that he died until the day after his funeral ceremony. And they did it up against Memorial Day weekend. So they knew, they, they dumped the news on Friday afternoon. It got a day of spin. And by, by Monday, nobody was talking about it. Um, it took his mother, Pat Tillman's mother, seven investigations and two congressional probes in order to find out the entire truth about why her son died. They kept it under wraps for PR reasons in order to not shine a bad light on the war that was becoming a quagmire in the Middle East. And the worst part about all of this is that Pat Tillman, who looks like the quintessential soldier. I mean, if you look at the guy, he's got the chiseled jaw. He looks like what a Marine like recruiter jacks off to at night. Like it's legitimately like the picture of what a a Marine or a soldier is. Like he's that guy. What a memorial. I'm serious. (laughs) You look like what a Marine recruiter jerks off. (laughs) Swear to God, that's like the biggest compliment I can give this guy's appearance because he did have that appearance. He looked like just the GI man. Anyways, um, He grew up in Northern California. He grew up atheist. Uh, He was, by all respects, a progressive. He wasn't like this raw, raw military guy. He was doing it for his family, become quickly disillusioned of what was going on. And people in the military insisted that during his memorial that there was, uh, you know, like prayer. And they basically told his brother, because his brother was like, he would not have wanted this. He was an atheist. He He's not with God. And one of the one of the other commanders was just like, well, this isn't about you. This is about his brothers and this, that, and the other, and there's going to be prayer. And they really just kind of shit all over his beliefs. And wow. they kind of they kind of co-opted his death and made it uh, something that they could use for for PR terms. Actually, the, the Trump administration did this most recently, uh, where they tweeted out, uh, something about his death. And, uh, I forget what it was about, but it was like really, truly like this, like kind of cringe, like, like super right wing patriotic kind of thing that they co-opted Pat Tillman's death was when, when in reality, like this guy was closer to Bill Maher than he was closer to, uh, Ben Shapiro or whoever you could, whatever conservative you could think. Um, so anyway, the only reason we bring this up is one to promote the truth. Pat Tillman uh, died by friendly fire in ways that he should not have. Uh, his family was uh, brutally, ghoulishly lied to um, by the elites of uh, the time, and his death was was co-opted for a PR spin for the war in Iraq, which we all know now. Uh, both the war in Iraq and Afghanistan uh, were twenty-year shams. And, and did absolutely no good whatsoever. And we upheld these wars for 20 years for reasons that we still can't explain today. So uh, rest in peace, Pat Tillman. I hope nobody ever stops talking about this story because he deserves a better narrative uh, for, for his death. And, and his family deserves to uh, hear people talk to him, talk about him and his death and memorialize him for uh, what really happened and, and not for some stupid spin that uh, our government decided they wanted to give him. That do yeah, I didn't know three fourths of what you just said, bro. I knew like the basic facts of the beginning, but once you got to burning the journal and all that shit, that is news to me. That's crazy. Oh yeah, and they God. knew about it the whole time. Uh, 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 Donald Rumsfeld lied to Congress about it. The only person, like there was one retired general 
general that took some kind of slap on the wrist, but nobody was ever fired. Matter of fact, the people that were involved were, were promoted, which is more often the case, especially in the military, you fail up. Mm-hmm. So do with that what you will, but RIP Pat Tillman, a, a, sure. real, a real one. A real one till the day he died. Speaking of truth, real quick before we get out of here, I would love to know what the truth is behind this story. uh, As over the past week, two Russian oligarchs were found dead alongside their wives and their children just one day apart from each other, according to multiple reports. Out of Russia, pretty damn wild. These guys, I've never heard of them. The one guy's name is Vladislav Ayayev, and the other guy's name is Sergei Protasenya. Proud of myself for kind of actually maybe saying those right. But it looks like from what the investigators are are writing and kind of what it looks like is being pushed along within the forces is that both of these were murder-suicides one day apart. They decided to kill their Mm. entire family and then kill themselves. So... I was going to say a real whodunit, but we know what happened here, so move along. Yeah. So that's... that's, uh, We'd love to hear the truth there, but doubt we ever will. But it looks like uh, the oligarchs are getting taken out now. So very scary times. Maybe they didn't want to keep funding a war that's very mysterious in itself. But anyway, back to American heroes like Pat Tillman, our sponsor, Gun Barrel Coffee, tries to donate to these charities all across our nation, uh, which makes drinking a good smooth cup of coffee just that much better. The way they do this is that they donate $1 from every single item purchased to veterans and first responder charities all across America. They offer 14 different blends and roasts, which you can get in your choice of whole bean ground or single surf pods. And right now, as a friend of our ship, you can use the promo code FNH10 and you will save 10% at checkout when you buy their products at gunbarrelcoffee.com. That is promo code FNH10, Gun Barrel Coffee. Damn good coffee. Damn good cause. If you get a sec, fuck with your boys. Follow us on the socials that Frank's about to get you and hit the link in our bio. It takes you right to our shop. You can get the merch for the Friendship News Hour. We really, really appreciate it. We don't make any money off it. It's just about getting the name out there. We need listeners. We need people to come and join this ship of ours. Uh, we got t-shirts, water bottles, coffee mugs, boxers, whatever you want you see something that's not on there you want it shoot us an email to the shit that frank's about to give us give you and i'll make it for you whatever you want do tell me other than candy underwear because they don't have it i looked but frank what are those links don't make your candy underwear by hand he's made <laughs> mine before you can find us on twitter at friendship nh you can find us on instagram and tiktok at friendship news hour and you can email us bummerdude.media at gmail.com bummerdude.media at gmail.com uh rate and review if you are so inclined we would appreciate it i'll see you next time Thank you.